You're listening to the Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. Honored and very delighted to have Dubai's most eligible bachelor on the show <laughs> before he embarks on his next exciting adventure in the USA. This gentleman has made his mark over the last few years in the Middle East as an entrepreneur, speaker, radio host, author, youth mentor, and an all round nice guy. Duh. Who oozes charisma and energy, and I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast today. So please welcome. Omar Besady. Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you did. Okay. Like a pro. Okay, Omar, for those that don't know who you are, will you give us a brief background into who you are and what you do? I don't know if I'm a nice guy. That's one. And the second thing that I know that I'm not a radio host anymore, just resigned recently, but uh, it's been fun uh, doing it for a year. But uh, very quickly for all the people out there, um, my journey really started uh, since I graduated from high school. And I used to, I started my career in banking. So as soon as I graduated from high school, I started working in banking and I went to university at the same time. Mm. So I used to go to work from like 8 to 4 p.m. Then go to university from 5 till 10 p.m. So it took me six and a half years to graduate with a degree in marketing. Uh, but you know, I'm 33 years old now and I have about 16 years of work experience, which is really cool. But at the same time, what really changed my personality, I think, was my uh, constant um, mission on trying to set up a business. So at the first company, I was around like 19 years old, uh, had an advertising company, closed down in six months because I, I, you know, I couldn't, there was no cash flow. I couldn't pay the staff. So two years later, st- started something else. Actually, right here where we are in Barsha, mm. uh, a store selling women's dresses and wedding gowns. And that closed as well because now... You tell Bersha us the story awesome. about the cockroaches. Yes. Yeah. So what happened is people, we were next to um, a restaurant. And uh, unfortunately, when you open a clothing store next to a restaurant, you don't expect that you're going to attract all the rodents of the world because the restaurant has mechanisms in place to keep them away. We didn't know that. I mean, I didn't know. What was, uh, you know, so anyways, next thing you know, uh, some of the clients who used to come in and fit out uh, and the fit out uh, and stuff, they would see that there were cockroaches in the dresses and it went like viral. People were complaining and saying, don't buy dresses from Umar. He sells dresses with cockroaches in him. And then, yeah, nobody came. So we closed that. Then I had a store. And then I had a company, a consulting company in Abu Dhabi. But then the financial crisis happened. So no one wanted to come to do business in the UAE. And also government agencies here were not paying. It was all over the news. Uh, And, uh, yeah, finally, um, at that time, I thought that, you know what? I'm I'm useless at business. I I suck at business. And uh, I kind of lost hope. And then I was going through my own personal journey, uh, which was, uh, I was married and I'm divorced. So thank you for saying that I'm eligible bachelor, because I am bachelor, but I don't know if eligible. <laughs> and uh, and um, when I got a divorce, at the same time I lost my job, the last company shut down, 
I was like, just everything came crashing down. So I was like, I'm useless in, as an employee. I'm useless as a husband, clearly. Then I'm useless as a business owner. What do I do? So why am I created? Like, why was I here? This is what I was asking. I was like, I, I suck at everything. Um, and then I just sat and, you know, this was, uh, I was like, I think I was going through a severe depression. Like two months, didn't do anything. And I also tried applying for, for work and nobody was hiring me. And I think it was actually because I was sending out bad energy. The next thing, you know, I remember that the only thing that would give me happiness or when I was younger, because I had a very difficult childhood, was uh, writing. So I went down to writing and I started writing my uh, these thoughts, you know, mm. through whatever, um, everything that I, um, that I was going through. And, and you know, just, uh, I wrote about the attitude of, of, a, of an entrepreneur, a business person, whatever, or as a human being in general. Uh, and as I continued writing, I started feeling much better and everything, you know, and I felt like I was doing something because especially as a man, you cannot just sit there doing nothing. I don't know. Yeah, so for me, it, I'm, and I'm also super ambitious. Next thing you know, eight months later, when I, when I think I, I came to my senses and I came to accepting the fact that, you know, I could be completely unemployed or whatever, I get a call and I got a job offer. And I was like, oh, now? <laughs> Anyways, I did get it and I accepted it and I went and I worked in Abu Dhabi tourism at the time. Um, I had written the book. But I never thought of publishing it at that time as well because when I got the job, I was like, okay, that's it. Let me just go and work. But when I was working in, in this organization, the Department of Culture and Tourism Abu Dhabi, I had a colleague. Her name was Nof. And Nof, is a part, uh, she's a member of a book club. She likes reading and stuff like this. And then we were talking about books and different books. And I told her, you know what? I actually wrote something, but I never published it. And I don't know. I don't think it's worthy of a book. But anyways, just you want to read it? She's like, yeah. I gave it to her. Two days later, she's like, oh my God, you have to publish this book. I was like, no, you're just messing around with me. I know you're pulling my leg. She's like, no, Omar, I'm serious. And she kept asking me to do it, and I never did anything. Uh, and I was happy with my new job and everything. On my birthday, I sit in my office, and I get this package, and there's like seven published copies of my book. Wow, wow that's amazing. Yeah. So your friend had taken your book away. So, she yeah. got it edited. Yeah. And she that's all that is the the really hard work as well. Yeah. That's what I'm finding yeah. with my she, book. She actually it's gave incredible. it to, she we had a colleague as well. Uh, she used to work at the Times in the her name is Barbara Saunders. She's awesome. She's a Geordie. So she edited the book and then uh, Next thing you know, and I saw that, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't believe it. Like I saw the book, like edited and and like like a proper, but it wasn't. So she self-published, but she didn't go to a publisher. So then she's like, "Now can you please take it and give it to a publisher?" Mm-hmm. So I did it. And you did that. Yeah, and she's just a friend, like mm-hmm. just like that. I was like, I guess it was probably easier doing it that way once you've actually got the book mm, and yeah. you take it to the publisher yeah. so they can physically see it mm. rather than having the concept yeah. and the idea. Yeah. And because before that, that, it was just a word document. But the way and whoever's seen the book, it's like colorful and it's like mm-hmm. it's got uh, all those images and you know, in fact, she got the designer. She did everything. This wow. is why I always say women are incredible. I swear to God. Like they, this is why I always say this. Me, women 
they either make or break a man. And 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 if uh, seriously, I think any guy who's ever been successful, it's either his mom, wife, girlfriend, friend. But it has to be a woman, mistress. I don't care, but. So there's always a woman behind the man's like success mm. all the time. I do agree with that, but I think equally it's because we're not because we're not ambitious ourselves because we we don't. I think for a lot of guys we don't do things ourselves. Like we're very like oh, okay because I think for guys we don't see the potential in us as much as the women see the potential in us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like with anything I've done, even with school, like growing up, my mom always saw like potential in me you know like she's always telling me like you know you're gonna become something she used to always tell me this as a kid i don't know whether all parents just say that because they want to manifest that in their kids and and make them think that way but she used to always say that to me so you said you had a difficult childhood um what you're saying about your mom to me sounds really positive yeah. growing up with that influence in yeah. your life someone that encourage you encourages you yeah. someone that believes in your ability yeah and and um, my dad wasn't around Okay, so that's where March. the that's where the challenging mm. childhood came in. So the 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 things that I wrote in my book mm -hmm. are the things that I wish and hope that my dad said that to me. Mm -hmm. Has your dad read your book? I don't know. I don't. I think he maybe he did. Okay. Probably did. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Another question I was going to ask you, you've already touched on. Um, when I first met you, um, what struck me about you was your positive persona mm. and your energy. Where does that come from? You know, uh, it's a good question. I think, um, you know, I, I understand for, for some people, like, uh, they look at you and they, they judge you, like, based on your age. And they just think, oh, you're just like... You know, I smile a lot because I've, I'm telling you, I have been through hell and came back, you know. Uh, one of the most difficult experiences of my entire life is um, a health situation that I had. So when I was 21, uh, I had uh, a massive surgery. So my back right now is full of metal plates. Uh, I had tuberculosis in my spine. And uh, when I got tuberculosis, I don't know if you know this, but there, it's the third world's deadliest virus. First is HIV, second is malaria, third is TB. And TB is a virus that eats through you, eats your bones and your whatever. So, um, like, I felt there was a sword going through my back. And I was bedridden for months. And um, uh, they had the surgery was insane. It was like a 12-hour surgery. I was in ICU for weeks, uh, you know, and it was such a young age. And I was like, oh, my God, like, why is it? Why God? Like, why me? You know, and I think that I'm nice to people. I'm like, OK, maybe there must be an ex-girlfriend somewhere who like probably hated me and said something and wished me like bad luck. But that's it. I never lied to anyone else. I never cheated. I never like whatever. But mm. it couldn't be that bad. And uh, yeah, so it was so. Surviving that experience gave me this positive energy. Since then, I was like, you know what? And I'd say this to people, if I can survive that experience, I can survive anything else. Mm. I am a big believer that pain can drive you to a positive place. Oh, yeah. Big time. What lessons did you learn when you reached rock bottom? Uh, humility. Uh, tolerance. Mm. Um perseverance 
generosity Uh, several things uh, around you know everything and you know like everybody needs help like everybody somebody needs help in something some people need financial help around us some people need like moral help around us or whatever like I understand that we there are some people that want to go like uh, do a trip in Africa and God knows what but you know what charity begins at home there are so many people around us here that are really like struggling I'm telling you there are so many people that I know that till now can't find a job grown-up men that, I, that I, I had a call just before I came here. This is a grown-up man who literally had to send his family back home. And he had a really big position in one of the biggest companies in the UAE. And for him to, you know, to ask me to have the bravery... feel that they do enough in the region for men to be able to help kind of uh, men with mental health problems? Uh, you know, I think it was about two years ago or three years ago here in the UAE, the, the president... Uh, His Highness Sheikh Khalifa uh, actually issued a law around mental health. Really? Yeah, yeah. there's actually a law right now to recognize mental health as a as a serious uh, issue and and everything. And um, and of course, I understand that when the government also after that launched the Ministry of Happiness and Well-Being, they actually changed that. They wrote it was first it was only Ministry of Happiness, then they included well-being to that as well. Is is si- are, these are some signs to show that the government is recognizing the importance of mental health. Uh, now, <clears throat> is there a lot being done for it? Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that to happen, uh, but previously it wasn't there. Uh, and of course, um, maybe because this is like a young country, so some of these issues were not really like uh, that big of a deal and... And now when they recognize that, okay, we're one of the countries that, that work the highest number of hours in the world. And, you know, when the people come and say, oh, we don't work hard. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You look at countries in Europe and wherever they work, like six hours a day and they're, they're done, you know. Or you go to Spain and it's like almost, <laughs> they're just chilling the whole time. Anyways, uh, but, um, uh, but now they realize and they recognize that that pressure had put so much uh, on, the, on the people and, it, uh, you know. Uh, it's affecting them. I'll give you an example. Uh, my father passed away last year. So my father passed away last year. And, you know, he was like only in his 60s, like early 60s. Mm. So that's, that's young. Not, that's this young. day and age, that's very it is. young. And uh, my dad, I have a feeling that what uh, took his life away is this mental health. Because... One thing is, so my dad used to work for the military for 30 years, almost 30 years. And obviously, you know, there's a certain kind of attitude when you're in the army in terms of how you are and, you know, I don't know. They don't really talk about the problems. problems. Like, in the army, like what? You know, like, mm. it's expe- you're expected, I don't know, maybe differently, right? But uh, after that, I mean, you know, I think my, my dad... He never really discussed... I, I honestly don't know what was going on with my dad that much. I mean, maybe in the last few years, he kind of mentioned it. And I could feel him, like, feeling down and everything. But it was all his mental... And I tried to uplift his spirits as much as possible. But uh, that's... I honestly think that's what took him away. Oh, that's sad. Did you have a good relationship with your dad towards the end? Yeah. Way better than any other time before. Mm-hmm. 
That's good. Comparison, yeah, in comparison yeah. to the childhood, way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah. So the book is called Just Read It, and it's like a self-help book. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be for aspiring entrepreneurs. It could be for uh, young kids looking to do, you know, l- looking to see what's next for them after school or whatever, or even during school. So it, it, everything that's in the book are things you've learned in school in religion, in life, um, at home, all I did is I omerized it. So you already know most of the content that's in the book. I, all, all I did is I just wrote it in my own way. So when you read the book, you feel like I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a c- collection of social and emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's what the book is about. And mm-hmm. it's very easy to read, lots of infographic. You'll be done in an hour if you want. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like a kind of a coffee table book. You can, there's no table of contents, so you can start from back to, to yeah. from, from last to the beginning or beginning to last or in the middle of the book, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Who did you write it for? To people like me. Mm-hmm. People like who were in my position who just need that like little bit of advice. You know, I always needed a mentor. I always wanted guides uh, in my life. And... I'm fine. You know, I know that we say we should, we should never have regrets about what we do in our life and stuff like this. But some things could have been avoided, including my ridiculously horrible marriage. But yeah, whatever. If you don't try, you never know. Exactly. But yeah, it was still like a horrible experience. I wish I never did it, but whatever. <clears throat> but still, it's, yeah, it's made fine. you who you are today. True, and also traumatized me, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but all these experiences, I, I think they, you know, and quite often I think relationships, when you kind of date a lot of people and it's setting you up for when you do meet the right person in your life. I know. Because we've all got problems. We've all got issues. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anybody out there who's perfect. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm grumpy when I'm hungry. So, yeah. yeah, I get yeah. hungry. Is hang- angry? Hangry. Hungry. I hangry. get hungry too. <laughs> <laughs> I, was hungry this hangry. Mo- I was hungry this morning after fasting yesterday. Yeah, what the... Oh, okay. my God. And I think that intensified my yoga experience as well this morning mm. by not having any food. Um, what was I talking about? Relationships. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do think all these kind of relationships we have that we try and they don't work out. They are just preparing us for when we're going to meet the right person. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Let's talk about peer groups. Yeah. They say you're an average of the five people that you spend most of your time with. How important are peer groups to you? They're all millionaires. I don't think I'm an average of them. Uh, I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> no, my say. friends are like millionaires. I'm like, okay. whoa, wait, wait a second. Are you kidding me? Okay. I don't have half their wealth. <laughs> okay. So maybe it's not just about Who the said money. That? Okay, maybe I know, maybe I know. it's about the persona, yeah, I know, I know. the I'm mindset. Just, you know, I'm just messing with you. I know. I don't want to like uh, <laughs> take your audience away and be like, oh my God, what's this guy? He's so like... Uh, superficial no uh yeah i think it, it is so important one of the things that i mentioned in my book is i say support yourself with a circle of support and like-minded people like for me and also there's a very good book by dr marshall goldsmith he says it's called what got you here won't get you there 
So a lot of people sometimes feel it is important for them to stick to the friends that they've had since they were kids. No. If you know where you want to go, it's very, very important to start plugging new people in your circle. I mean, don't ignore those friends because you grew up with them and whatever. But I'm just saying you just have to decide how much more time you, sub- you put yourself against, uh, around those kind of people. So for me, even getting out of that, like the rock bottom, mm. I started surrounding myself with some really positive people. And before you know it, I, I started becoming exactly like them. We were all in the same level, you know? So it really plays a massive, massive role. Mm-hmm. Um, even in terms of right now, you know, as I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I'm leaving to the US. I got a scholarship. Uh, the person that recommended me for the scholarship was, was uh, he played a, a very important role in my life. Like he was, uh, we were together in the same, uh, uh, let's say, business group in Abu Dhabi. And he saw my contribution to, to, this, to this group. And he recommended me to get this scholarship, which I got from the U.S. government, not even from here. How easy was it for you to make that move to America? Because you've, you seem to have established yourself in the business world, the mm. entrepreneurial world, um, as a mentor for youths mm. and mm. on the social mm. kind of media scene as mm. well. So how easy was it for you to make that decision to leave essentially what could be seen as a comfort zone? Yeah. And go to Shaw's where... Very easy. First of all, um, I'm going to be very frank. Uh, the economy right now in the UAE is not like the greatest. Like, so everything's kind of like stagnant. It's slow. So I don't feel the same energy here as I did a couple of years ago. Mm. Like things you felt like they were like growing and whatever. A lot of my friends have left... Uh, I have a lot of my friends that are not from here and they've all left and stuff. So... I, I feel like sometimes you, you gotta like, you know when you take your car to service it, to maintain it, and then you gotta like polish the tires, change the tires, change the spark plugs, all of those things, the oil, the engine oil. It's exactly what I wanna do with Omar. So come back with Omar 2.0. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, who knows? I might just end up living in New York. <laughs> no. You may just never come nah, back. No, no, no. I will. Uh, I have my mom and everybody. So I have to come back. But, uh, but no, I mean, I want to, I, I feel like, you know, and people, and I tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, I've never lived overseas in my life. I'm 33 years old. So I'm like, you know what? I have to disrupt it now. When am I going to do it? At 40, 50? I can't, I don't want to be one of those like people that go through like a crazy midlife crisis and end up like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. So I have to do it now. Mm. So this is the best time for me. And I'm going to go do my master's in international mm-hmm. affairs. It's awesome. So I've always wanted to do a master's degree. And I want to get a PhD as well. Mm-hmm. Because my, when, you know, one of my favorite quotes is by Mark Twain. He says there are two important days in your life. The day you were born and the day you find out why. So my why is I'm an educator. I want to continue publishing books. I want to teach in university. Like I want to be, be in, a, in an academic uh, environment. I mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be a scholar. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I'll be a cool teacher. Yeah, I think you would. <laughs> I think you would. You've done a lot of work with youth in the region. How do you mm. enjoy that? Yeah, it's been good. You know, it's, um, it's, it's fun. I mean, uh, you know, I, I learn a lot as I do this. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I just, I just, I, there's a lot of hope and a lot of opportunity. That's what I see in them, you know? So I feel like when I come back, you're just gonna, I think you'll, you'll like me more better later. Mm-hmm. So okay. when I come back from the States, just okay. so you can see. 
So you've had your own radio show, Pulse Radio. Yes. Um, I have a question for you around that, and it's kind of... I know since I've started my own podcast... In many ways, I feel like it's, it's changed my outlook. It's changed my life in many ways, just through the guests that I have on. And it's amazing. It's a good excuse to speak to people like yourself as well. Yeah. How has that changed you and how did that influence you? So uh, it's very interesting. I, I only was a guest, like I think twice on radio. And when I was informed that uh, in Charger, they launched the first English radio station called Pulse95, and they wanted me to be there. It was. It showed me uh, first how um, you know. I you know. I'm. I'm not sure about how people think when they listen to me speak. But apparently, they liked it. So what happened is, I was there. Uh, we started the show. I used to do this show called Morning Majlis. It was a morning show. And then after two months, because one of the things that I like to talk about a lot is tech. Like, I like business. It was a business show, but I used to like talk about technology as well. And because I kept talking about tech all the time, um, people told me, you know, you need to have your own show. And the management came to me and they said, listen, you know what? We think that we have to have another show and you should just have one on your own. And then I said, okay. And they told me, give us a proposal. So I thought about it and I thought about, okay, let me do a technology show. And we called it Future Talk. So I talked about the future. So the people that I met, to answer your question, in the, in the show was amazing. I mean, they're incredible because you're meeting futurists and I was meeting technologists and developers. And I had this segment on women in tech, bringing women who are doing awesome work in technology. It's unbelievable. It's, they're, they're like, I mean, uh, we have some really awesome talent here in the UAE, you know? That show sounds like... Uh Young boy or a man's dream. Oh, yeah. Future talks. Yeah. Talking about all things futuristic. Exactly. Yeah. So we had had some really awesome authors, some um, uh, incredible people from even around the world on the show. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm glad that I had that journey. And uh, who knows, you know, I, I mean, there are some other radio stations knocking on my door uh, that you never know. Okay, I watch, might consider, watch this space. Watch this space. Is there anyone that's particularly stood out for you who you've interviewed, who you found really inspiring? Uh, one person uh, that I found really inspiring is uh, Brittany Kaiser. I mean, well, like, look, there's like five of them, but I'll tell you like one of them mm. is Brittany Kaiser. Brittany Kaiser is actually the whistleblower. She worked at Cambridge Analytica. Do you know the company that gave... Uh, that she was the whistleblower at Cambridge, the company that gave all the data to Facebook. Uh-huh. When that whole Facebook okay. scandal came with, like, I don't know, uh-huh. what, what, with the elections. You know how they took, like, 70 million accounts and there was manipulated and everything with the, with the elections? Uh, so K- Brittany Kaiser was on our show. So having her, that was epic, mm-hmm. what I learned, you know, and what inspired her to talk about that experience and, and why she felt, felt it was unethical that Cambridge Analytica was doing by manipulating people's right to choose who they want as their leader. Mm. Interesting. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Just read it. That's in the book. I mean, I, everything that's in my book, I would give that advice. That's, that's what I wish I had. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time, would you do anything differently? Yes. 
I would be more patient. I would um, um, save more money. <laughs> and that's what I would have done differently. Save money and be more patient. That's it. It is quite challenging to save money in the US. No, no. It was just uh, the choices I made. I wish I just didn't... Uh, mm-hmm. Splurge. You should have come to see me a few years ago. I worked in finance, so oh, I could have helped you out there. Yeah. So, have you had a mentor in the last few years? Yeah, Is there I anyone did. Anyone particular that you've looked up to? Yes, there's a uh, one of my friends who moved from the UAE, went to Chicago. He's in finance, actually. His name is Mamadou Aboussar. So he's French Senegalese. And this guy is like, was like my bigger brother for me, you know, like everything, even like my dating life and everything. Like, you know, he would advise me on everything, like what to do, what not to do. And it was him who recommended me to be a global shaper with Mm. the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was really happy to have that honor to be part of like a really huge association. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I learned a lot from him. And uh, also, he's like my cigar buddy. So we like smoking cigars together. Ah, he's just cigar buddy. We're not advocating it by any chance, but like, yeah, he's the, (laughs) introduced me to that bad habit, which I love right now. (laughs) So yeah, he's, he's one of the guys that truly inspired me. Okay. Okay. I did have a question. You know, I have all these questions and then I forget. It's okay. Does that that ever happen to you? I know why you guys switch off the AC because of the sound, right? Oh, have you turned the AC off? Because it's it's like, I'm I'm sweating under my jeans. It's not even funny. It's so hot, but it's okay. Are we allowed to turn the AC on? I'm okay. No, no, I'm leaving anyways. I have to go. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. So what excites you? You're leaving anyway. Yeah. Like when? Uh, no, no. After this, uh, <laughs> what excites me? Well, we're uh, nearly wrapped up. What excites you about the future? Uh, what excites me about the future? I think uh, th- what excites me about the future is I see that the future is bright because I teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, 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 yeah, I teach at, at uh, actually at Gems Wellington Academy. I go there uh, and teach a couple of classes, but also. Uh, at universities, I go there as a visiting lecturer, and I see the potential that these children have. These kids are so smart; it's not even funny. I and right now, like you know, you can't even say the word childish anymore. Like when you see someone acting like an adult, you should be ashamed. When they act like a child, it's even better because they're very smart and they're very well behaved and they're very intelligent. Like they know everything. Like I go there and they're teaching me stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness. What happened? Like they're in grade six, seven, they're asking very intelligent questions. Yeah, it's a great time. I was talking about this to someone yesterday. It's such an amazing time to be alive at the moment. And just going back to like when we were at school and... And yeah, like you were told to act like an adult, be mature. Yeah, but yes. now it's no. kind of like, I never want to lose mm. that child with it. And, and, and now you see many, many of these workshops and places and they're bringing people to tell them to act like children. They have all these games in a mm. work environment, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I love about being with, uh, with kids. This is why I like to be around them all the what time. What do you think of the educational system these days? It's, like the curriculum and, and what changing. they teach children? They, they're picking up. Especially here, they're, they've pick, they're picking it up quickly. And what I like about the UAE, the good thing with the government is that they listen and they're flexible. Like they, they will take everything into account. But within 
within a matter of time that the change will happen some things don't happen that quickly like this annoying thing about skype calls being blocked and whatsapp calls and everything else yeah. but there are many other things where it's very easy to reach like i know that i have the minister of higher education i'm meeting him on thursday like i have him on i can call him just like that like i, I know him very well like we're very close to our ministers who are influencing the change or recommending changes what changes would you like to see the end of classrooms the traditional classrooms like rows and columns i think we shouldn't be in rows and columns those were made for assembly lines in the industrial revolution what not sh- now what should we have instead we should have bean bags and like sitting on the floor and like maybe a yoga mat mm. Have you heard about have you heard what Elon Musk has done? What has he done? Okay, so Elon Musk, he has I think he's got three kids. Yeah. And he has opened up his own school in Los Angeles. I'm not surprised. Opened up his own school. Apparently, um there's about 15 children at that school. I'm not sure what is on the curriculum, but it's not what you would see at an, uh-huh. an average school. True. And um and I have a lot of friends that are getting homeschooled and their their kids are they're homeschooling their kids it's unbelievable because mm, he saw flaws mm. in the educational system yeah, yeah. and the more people I speak to especially entrepreneurs and I was even speaking mm. to someone about this the other day he was like I'd never send my child to yeah. school this guy's a high level entrepreneur yeah, yeah. and I'm like well there are other options mm. you know It, look at what Elon true. Musk's done you It, can uh, I mean there's obviously a price that comes with that but mm. but you know even in the UAE you can homeschool You, if you go to the Ministry of Education and you tell them you want to homeschool, they've had this for a long time. You can go and tell them, I want to homeschool my kid. They'll tell you, okay, fine, just stick to this. Which curriculum do you want to choose? Like mm-hmm. the British or whatever. Cause I did my, I did my O levels. So you choose uh, the curriculum, and then they tell you, fine. I think it's wonderful. It's to, amazing to have those options. Yeah. However, in reality, I'm not entirely convinced that home schooling your children is going to be the best thing because you've got the social aspect that the be, kids but, may miss out but on which me, is just as important but Zoe they do it they, they, there is the social part so for example the, so the difference is the parent or the parents have to be active with putting their kids in those social environments so for example putting them in like music class and this and all those other activities so you're putting them around those you know what so the social aspect is not on like maybe the uh the traditional classroom like listening part but sometimes the activities and assignments and stuff they put them around mm. so i've seen people who do that that's how they cover the social because that was my same argument too but that's how they came back to me and told me mm. this is how what we do yeah so i guess if you are so what you're saying is if you do homeschool your children there's certain criteria that you have to meet yeah. and part of that criteria is mm. you would have them engaged yes. in social yes. activities yeah, yeah. so they have that social and, interaction and you know i think sometimes the word homeschooling is misleading because when you think of it you th- you imagine your kids like locked in the house like just sitting there and staying the whole time you know but no but they well, the, i remember when i was at they school they need to be out the whole time yeah. and there was the odd person that was homeschooled schooled and they were it doesn't sound very pleasant okay. saying this What? but they were generally like the odd odd ones yeah they would know. act like a bit weird yeah but maybe they were smarter than the rest of them you'd be surprised i think it's probably more to do with social integration is that person that like an app developer now or something you know i haven't even got one particular person in mind so if you think about it probably that person is maybe you never know maybe i was always the odd one out 
until now. I was a little bit odd. I still I st- am the odd one I still out. stick out like a thorn <laughs> in our community. People are like, who's this guy? I'm like, why? Is it because I'm black? It's good to be different. I'm very happy to be different. Who wants to be normal? Normal is boring. I don't want to be normal. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Like, you know, when you kind of... Um, a lot of guys say, oh, I'm just like a normal guy. And I'm like, well, I don't want a normal guy. You know? I'm not normal. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm lost and don't cut now. that out. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much um, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again to our very special guest today, Uma Basade. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed meeting and interviewing Omar. What a wonderful, lovely, charismatic, interesting guy he is. And we wish him the best of luck in his future endeavors in America and look forward to seeing him again very, very soon.